podcast. A podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you here today is your nerdy tutor, George. And with me here today, the maven of gears, my mom. Hey, this was fun. We built we built little robots. We built little robots. And they were not actually... And again, for a brand that's kind of the offshoot of Lego, they're all Lego parts at the end of the day, and they're essentially yeah. Very and again, like I, I rec- every single part I pull out is like, yep, that's I know that piece. I've known that piece. Um, the 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 arm pieces are a new one. I've never seen those before, but those are actually pretty cool. The way they the way they um, click the, in and because this rotates a lot. Oh yes, it has a lot of articulation. What I thought was amazing about them was. Um, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna point to the piece, but mm-hmm. the that that oddly shaped um, blue piece that's kind of curved. There's like eight of them, and they use it in a pretty interesting way. There are actually ten of them. Um, they do use it. They use it in different directions each time they use it. Uh, Twelve actually. Now that I'm counting. Oh. Because there's two on the back. There's two on the head. There's, there's four there's... on each shoulder, and then there's another four or four. I guess what is kind of the um, tread sort of. Uh, guards i guess yeah it's a it's a pretty cool little thing i mean i was building mine here this morning and uh you built it this morning you're much quicker than i i, I admittingly a little um let's <laughs> go through those notes as quickly as i can going through all the the so we're talking so we're talking about robots and one we're of the talking about ro- robots. one of the that home- was our subject well that's our subject here we're doing a little bit of review on some robot some robot stuff here um and this was one of the robots that i found on the amazons um, and again, this is only about $25, $28. And this is a Ciro brand. Mm-hmm. And this is... Um, They've had, they had other variant models here as well, but this is the one that kind of I like the most, mostly because it reminds me of Johnny Five from uh, Short Circuit. Yeah, totally see it. And, and it literally almost right down to like the treads and like the, almost the eyes even. Yeah. Uh, but man, I mean, like that was a cool robot when I was a kid. And that that robot, I mean, you look at it now, and then you, and then you remind yourself, it's like, oh crap! How many animators did they? How many uh, puppeteers did they need to animate just his head? Well, see, and and, and I go back to um, Lost in Space, mm-hmm. Danger Will Robinson, um, which was his standard line: Danger Will Robinson, Danger Will Robinson. Yes, because he always followed around the kid. Yeah, um, it was kind of a, the kid's protector. So. Um, and and what we thought that we thought that robot was so cool because it had articulated arms and mm-hmm. so it actually will come into play later on as well. So okay. uh, you got yours up and running though, right? I got mine up and running. And how was it? Um, it it goes right left. It goes up, up forward backwards. It's kind of weird, um, but it it does run. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, we can play with it later. I can show you. But yeah, I got I got mine up and running. Um, and uh, I think my frustration was I never did figure out, I, I've got two batteries in it, but I never did figure out how you plug it in to charge it. Oh. It has a, it has a charger so you can charge it you know, from a uh, UBS. Never did figure out whether where on that or where on the other unit, because that doesn't, you don't load your batteries in that, thank God, because they suddenly got it all together and went, oh damn, what if I have to put batteries in that thing? Did not see that hole. So there's a little hole on it on its left hand side, and I think the direct opposite has like the power on. That's and off. the power on and off. Yeah, yeah I, so, I did look for that too. So yeah, so I think so. I think that's um, 
So that's where you charge I, it. I would, yeah, because it's, it's also got the little logo for the uh, 9-volt DC on it. So The other thing that was interesting is there's nowhere on the instructions that tells you where to put the labels. But you know where to, the stickers, but you know where to put them from the box. Do you have your stickers on? No, 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 no. I, I don't tend to put on stickers. Oh, okay. I, I did the whole thing. I went, oh my gosh, where did these go? And then I went back through the instructions and it never tells you. Oh, okay. I figured it out from the picture on the box. Okay. But no, this was well, I thought this was well done. It's a nice little crafty sort of thing here. Yeah. I could, I could do it, which is, you know, a, a measure of ease. <laughs> I like, I've, I liked how they used the fingers because they kept looking at that part being like, what is that going to be? And then it's the fingers. It's like, oh, it's okay. Pretty cool. That's pretty clever. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty clever. Yeah, uh, and and once you had one side of it done, the other side was pretty much the same. Oh yeah, yeah. I, in terms yeah. of the arm assemblies and stuff. Oh yeah, I, and they're slightly different, but. Oh, I built my I built mine in tandem. So when I was working on one side, I was also doubling up and working on the other side as well. That's not what the instructions tell you to do. No, it's not. But um, having built enough Lego thingies in the past. You, you know, just kind of know. Yeah, you kind of know that, like, oh, it's symmetrical. Oh, they're building something over here that says it should be for the right side. Okay, I will do the opposite for the left side. Yeah. So, with, you know, with relative ease and uh, experience. But, again, I, I, I forewarn that I've built my fair share of Legos in the past, so. Yep. Again, I was amazed by the one the one piece which you've pointed out is 12 times. and And I think almost every time it's used... In a slightly different way. It's used in a slightly different way, Absolutely. Which, which I thought was pretty cool. So this is kind of interesting because where I initially wanted to go get this from was from a brand of stores that I know was popular in uh, in certain parts of the country here, um, but recently died. Fries. <laughs> yes. So it's a perfect fries sort of thing. It's exactly what fries would have carried. Yeah. So there was a there's an electronic brand store that. Now, mind you, like, this was, like, my favorite store in the world because, like, you could literally just kind of walk around it for about a good hour and just be like, ooh, look at all the cool stuff and look at all this, this, and this. And You could build your own computer from it. I And, and often, actually, I did. I, most of my computer parts um, from my computers over the years, because uh, I, I think, so, I so Fry's Electronics was this really great electronics store. Basically, you can find just about anything electronics related from... Computer parts, TVs, uh, CDs, uh, DVDs. The size of a small department store. Oh, I was going to say it was like probably. I was going to say about the size of a, a regular size department store, or like maybe a, even like a single, Target. Single floor. Yeah, single floor, like a Target, even maybe, or like a. Target or, be a or, little bit bigger, but or a I'm Kmart. aware. I'm aware of square feet because I work there. Yeah. So. Um, but um, but yeah no and these were were you could buy everything, um, and on your way out grab Twinkies. Well, not only could you you know some had like full like cafes inside them. Oh um, really? I don't remember cafes. Oh yeah, the the, the one and and it, what I thought was truly ironic was that they were themed, and not only were they themed, they were themed. Um, on the ancients, so you had a Mayan themed one, you had an Egyptian themed one. Mm -hmm. So I and I found it extremely ironic, and I know the Bum family who who, who uh, ran it. Ran it. Um, I found it extremely um, ironic that a store that carried 
the most high tech stuff here Futuristic. was all themed after the kind of the it was old. all themed after the old ancients, but they had they were themed after various ruins, mm -hmm. and so you had all these different um, and very and very elaborately like almost Disney esque themed. Oh yeah, no, that way. Yeah, and. and so I, I remember yeah. the I remember the one that first opened up uh, for me at least, which was in Campbell, and that was an Egyptian themed one. And we thought that mm -hmm. was like, you know, we thought that was like just brilliant because you would because again it, it almost looked like a pyramid on the outside, and then you you walked in and everything had like a hieroglyphic sort of like fonts and well, but it even had had the um, you know they had gone to the extent of getting almost prop like backgrounds mm -hmm. with very um, elaborate uh, hieroglyphs and well carvings I mean carvings yeah. yeah and I remember at one point in all of them yeah I remember one point over by the cashiers there was like a wall that was all hieroglyphs but it was all like uh, Anubis or like some of the other like Egyptian gods with like computer parts and stuff it was kind of like showing you to kind of like a queue in line almost so it was like yeah, it, yeah. very very clever at the end of the day it uh, was. I, I just, I loved the... Um, the aesthetics of it. Yeah. So uh, one, so every store had different themes. So the ones here in the Bay Area tend to have stuff based off of uh, the agents on it. But they're, the one back down in South and Anaheim that I frequented for almost a good 15 years um, was themed after NASA. Oh, really? So it had a... I assumed that they were all just sort of historically themed. Some of them were, um, again, so the one in Anaheim uh, was based off of uh, NASA, and so they'd have like kind of a computer display, they'd have kind of a big screen display that's kind of hanging above the aisles, and it was always kind of a space shuttle launch. Um, and they actually had a replica cockpit of a space shuttle that you could walk in through, and, and when, they, when it was running, they would have kids kind of you could kind of go in there and play on it for a little in it for a little to bit. entertain the kids while your parents are shopping yes and these stores again didn't just carry like the actual like computer parts you could buy full all computers they often had them just kind of waiting there and demoed with monitors as well um they the had running just... joke though mm -hmm. was their staff okay so <laughs> so the staff was um Okay, so the best way to describe the staff was that, you know, these were not typically computer nerds. Now, mind you, a lot more nerd computer nerds tended to be working there, but they were not, like, the smartest staff when it came to specs. So, running joke. And, and, and part of that, actually, some people theorize that's part of the reason for its downfall, actually. Um, so, it, You couldn't get help. No, you couldn't get help. They, they were didn't they, know they, the product. They, they were infrequent. They, they they didn't really know their products. They, again, the staff was really you know the store. But keep in mind, the store I think for the most part was really was meant for people like who already me, knew who already knew what is get going in there to get and just needed somebody to point to me where it was. Yeah, you know, it was like, cool though. Um, you know, when you mentioned mentioned that because uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, when you mentioned this, you know, the store that. Um, would have carried these. It's exactly what mm -hmm. Fry's would have had. Would have had. You could get science kits. You could get build your own lamp. You could get mm -hmm. you know build your own all uh, the, the all the sort of things you now get through Kiwi Box or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so STEM STEM educational stuff you could get there because oh, yeah. we we did. Um, 
You could also get a vacuum cleaner. You get a vacuum cleaner. You could go buy a dishwasher or a refrigerator. Towards the end, towards the end, they had full-on appliances. Mm-hmm. Initially, they didn't, but they always had some small household appliances. Yeah, the, to the I mean, so they always had household appliances, and they always had like, you know, like razors, or like electric razors, toothbrush, uh, microwaves. The weird, yeah, the weird, you know, sort of the sort of like odd kitchen appliance, sort of like bread yeah. maker sort of things. Uh, but one of the other things that really did fascinate, one of the one of the things that was really well known for was its computer parts. Again, I could walk into there, and I could grab, you know, hard drives, RAM cards, motherboards. I could actually see the motherboard ahead of time, look at the specs on the sheet, and immediately decide, you know, like, oh yeah, this or this. And it had computer cases for for miles, like, and even accessories to like light up your computer cases if you wanted to. Um, and it also carried just like the small little like fuses and LED light, uh, little LED lights. Like if you really, you know, soldering, like if you really actually needed to to build something at the end of the day, you could physically go there and probably within a half hour, grab all the things you needed and go uh, back home and build it very well, easily. So is that where you got the clear sighted uh, computer case? No. So because um, that's cool. Yeah, it is, um, but unfortunately, that's something I got off of Amazon, which is probably one of the big things that also, I think, really killed Fry's Electronics here. Part of part of what happened to Fry's Electronics um, is that in, up until when it closed, its website was garbage. And I don't mean that in a, in a, I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean it in the sense that it, you know, again, if you knew exactly what you were looking for, you could find it on there, but... It wasn't user friendly at all. So and and it didn't show like it never evolved. It, like the website, I think, has been the same since two thousand seven, two thousand eight. It's been the exact same style, outside of new um, uh, new products on there. But it's been the exact same style in in and hasn't changed at all. Yeah. And I don't think it's been. And I don't think it's one of those. It, it had the opportunity to be like a leader in selling electronic goods but i think websites like newegg clearly amazon at the end of the day as well and some other websites beat them to the punch um and as a result they weren't able to compete in that in that realm and clearly i don't think covid necessarily helped at all but even before that i mean they were going down here they had closed locations before that yeah. the original the original site of of uh the, the first store was in in, in uh, the middle of silicon valley in sunnyvale yes and that site has been a sports basement for a while mm-hmm. uh it, it, again i think what really kind of hurt fry's electronics again especially toward the end here was just so much as that um they they didn't actually have the stuff anymore um, and part of that was because, and from what I've understood here, was that a lot of the items were, uh, again, they weren't selling as many items, so a lot of the items that they had in there were on consignment. Oh. So a lot of the items that, you know, they would offer to sell the products, and if they actually got sold, they'd actually then go and pay the company, you know, for, 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 se- for yeah. selling those goods yeah. at the end of the day. And um, that's not a really good revenue model yeah. for a store and i i got so oh about a month you know so about a about a month or two ago at this point here uh, i was cleaning up my glove box and i had saw like oh there's a fries electronics gift card, card yeah uh, a standard I, gift for you which was a standard gift for me for a while um uh, 
And I was like, oh, well, I should probably go spend this in spend this. You know, I maybe there's a couple bucks on it. Maybe there's, you know, a lot of money. I, I don't yeah. know. Let me go spend it. And I went into the one here in San Jose and it was barren. The one on Brokaw? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you go which was, in. Which w- their, their offices were actually upstairs. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't, did not know that. Yeah. Um, Sabercats but... used to be run out of there as well because the same family owns the Sabercats. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sabercats being a uh, local Indo- team. In- indoor football team, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now, yeah, so I went in there and they had um, the hospitality banners set up so that way you can't see what's on the other side of stuff. Uh-huh. So, uh, and so you could see that, like, a lot of their TV stuff had been kind of, like, shrunken down. A lot of them weren't even on. You saw a lot of, you know, their computer displays weren't there at all. Uh, their parking lot, I think, was barren. And their parking lots are big parking lots. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's a retail establishment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Big, so. big store, big parking lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I remember walking through there and just thinking, wow, I'm looking around and there is nothing I want to buy in here. And I think my last purchase from Fry's Electronics, which is kind of sad, is a twenty dollar Nintendo gift card. A twenty dollar Nintendo gift card uh-huh. um, to get like Nintendo points online or something, and a, a set of compressed air. Wow. And and before that, my last purchases from Fry's Electronics would have been. Um, Thor's hammer, which was my prop Thor hammer that yeah. I have, um, my Corsair mouse and my Corsair uh, mouse uh, uh, pad, I guess is the best yeah. way to describe it. Yeah. It's a, um, but those would have been my those beforehand uh, would have been my last purchases from uh, Fry's Electronics, and that would have been from the Campbell site, which was the Egypt themed one. Yeah. Um, well, at one time you probably could have built your own own robot from Fry's. Oh no! Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, I mean, they had all the parts there. Yeah. Um, and it, and again, I mean, my favorite thing to do there was just kind of just browse around and just be like, "Ooh, I could use that for my computer. Ooh, wouldn't that be nice for that?" It was a fun place to go in, and and then and then um, much like uh, you know Joanne's Fabrics to me is is, is the the one I would liken it to. Their checkout line mm-hmm. had all those impulse buy things. Oh yeah. Um, including candy bars. And, and I, so, candy bars, soda, ice cream. Like, so, the, so, so the Fry's Electronics one, which always kind of bothered me a little bit, was that they had, it was basically like you walk down this long aisle with all these impulse buy elements on it here. In order to, to in order out. just to, In order just to get to the end of the queue where somebody would be like, oh, uh, go to number seven. Oh, go to number six. And yeah. they had like 80 some odd registers all around this entire bank here. Um, and then they only ever used like one side of it. Because I think, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. I never actually ever saw them ever use the other side at all, ever. I'd... Oh, back in the heyday or during the holidays, they might. Yeah, they might but, have. Yeah. Um, but this was also like you saw the cages there in the middle where they kept all like the actual parts in some cases. So you Yeah, had... cause some things you had you had to bring the slip and they had to pull it for you. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, a, that's so, an unfortunate So now where loss. do we go to get our robots? We go to the same place we go to get our clothing, our shoes, our kitchen utensils, and everywhere else, and almost everything else you want to get online. Yeah. We go to the South American rainforest. Of yeah, it seems kind of sad um, because because 
if you were in the store and you were looking at these, you might choose you. You might you might have like a selection of like three or four of them to to, choose to pick from. from potentially. Now it's you go online and you know all three or four of them are there, but they're not in this sort of like oh let me look at the box and kind of look kind uh, of thing. Yeah, what what are these offering? You know, it's a very kind of cold thing now, and I'm actually semi curious if they'll ever do like a virtual storefront again. Um, I mean, I, I think it would be very interesting for, I bet it'd be an interesting VR element at the end of the day, if you had like a virtual Amazon store where you could kind of walk through and, and see stuff, yeah. you know, even if it was, you know, because I think that's a, cause I do think that's an experience that we've lost quite a bit of going into this last year. Well, you know, and there are virtual uh, storefronts for um, some some upper end brands of clothing, mm -hmm. where you can actually stand in front of a, um, a a something anyway and get scanned, and they'll show you what you look like and things. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no. So your app, you there's some <laughs> apps that let you uh, hold your phone up to yourself, and you can see what stuff looks like on you. Yeah, I know there's a fair amount of makeup brands that can that do that now for your face, um, where they project stuff onto your face again. It's just Snapchat filters at the end of the day. Yeah, um, but no, yeah. So uh, a bit of a tangent for fries for fries electronics. We'll we'll pour one out for them. Yeah, but it's a yeah. little. But it's a shame that um, <clears throat> you know what was a really <clears throat> cool store score concept and idea it just does not um, exist anymore. I wonder. When when they'll get Best Buy here, but I think Best Buy does a bit of a better job online. Well, and 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 you know that a lot of their locations are are prime Silicon Valley locations. So they'll or the ones that I'm aware of, because as you mentioned, they are they did branch out and go nationwide. Um, so the ones that I'm aware of are uh, in good locations. In good locations, and they'll be and they'll be torn down and rebuilt. Into, what, into a different use. The fries or the Best Buys? The fries. Oh, yeah. No, the one off of Brokaw, I think... Um, it's a teardown. Well, I wonder... Well, not. I don't know if it's necessarily a teardown. I wonder if it's a next site for an Amazon facility or something, maybe. Too much parking. No, the parking actually would be, you know, of benefit in some cases. That's true. You know, you could park all your vans out there. You could... Um, I think you, there's quite a bit you Fleet could... Fleet vehicles. Fleet vehicles, trailers. Because we have we have a Comcast facility that's a former um, Costco because they can park all their fleet vehicles where Costco customers used to park. Mm -hmm. And I know there's quite a number of malls that host Amazon vehicles now. Uh, the are the the various like Armada vans and step vans um, because the parking lots are just um, absolute uses. You know, yeah. there's nothing going on in them at all. Yep. So. Part of our homework here this weekend was we built a tiny robot and we got to control a tiny robot. Yeah, mine mine works and and uh, you know it's 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 more of a it moves forward and backwards and side to side. No, I didn't think there. I I wasn't expecting these things to be like overtly articulated, especially when it comes to like the arms. Yeah. Or anything like I, yeah. these were these in all honesty were very much kind of a STEM sort of like children's toy at the end of the day. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about this because it, the box says eight and up, and there's no way an eight year old is doing this. Twelve year old, yes. I think an eight. I, I I imagine if I gave this to Nina, she could build it. 
they're they're really good at, at Lego. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. I, I think if, I think they needed par- they need a parental. I think assistance. with parental assistance, ab- yeah. they could definitely do it here. I, I yeah. think without it, you would be a little bit more um, hard pressed on that, perhaps. But. but but you're right. It's very much a STEM sort of thing, and the idea that you can um, you know control your your uh, little robot with your like your cell phone, yeah. or, or it, it comes with a remote otherwise. Yeah. In case you're one of those you know children that don't have a cell phone, which I don't think children should have cell phones. I, I, I agree with you. I think I think once you I think if you get to to be twelve, maybe there's a maybe there's a case for it, but I don't think typically not. There's I think anything. it's middle yeah, I think it's middle school. Or I think it's high school. Huh. Sometimes nice disappearing to know where your kid is. I think so too. So as part of this we also watched We watched two movies and we, Yeah. And I picked the movies based off of I think what would be a more realistic robot at the end of the day um now i mean both are basically disney things kind of at the end of the day yeah um which is curious because i don't because robin um in the case of robin williams robin williams had a very big beef with disney over um and wasn't was purposely not working with them for a number of years um over the fact of the advertisement for aladdin Oh really? Why? So, because um, we should mention Bicentennial Man stars Robin Rob, Williams, Robin Williams as, yes, the, so. as the robot, um, and and actually found out he was actually in the suit the entire time too. Not a not a not a double. That's interesting. Yeah, I wondered about that. Okay. Yeah, he according to the Wikipedia articles, he was the guy, and I looked around, and there's no other credits mentioned for anybody in the suit at the end of the day. So it was clearly him the entire time. Yeah. Um. Uh, to speak about Robert Williams for as a quick atta- quick tangent, um, during the early '90s, Robin Williams uh, was um, approached to go do Aladdin, and they famously there's a test there's a test uh, reel of the genie based off of one of Robin Williams stand up things, which I would pay, you know which has been. Yeah, I've seen clips of it. I want to see like an entire standard routine of Robin Williams just as the genie. I would love for somebody to animate that because it's really yeah. fun. It's really yeah. good. Um, but Robin Williams also agreed to do another uh, movie called Fern Gully, in which he was a rapping. How best to describe it? He was a bat that was a test subject who got free, who freed himself and was yeah. now um, he. Robin Williams essentially really liked the message of that movie um, and wanted to do that first. He also had a problem where another movie he was working on, which was a movie called Toys, which was a big pet project of him, was going to be coming out a couple months after Aladdin came out, or around the same time. Time, yeah. And he was worried that advertisement for Aladdin would cannibalize a lot of what would be, um, you know, people going to go see toys, which there's an argument that that's actually what happened at the end of the day. It also could encourage people to go, but... Potentially. Um, So Robin Williams in his contract, um, they had a handshake agreement or they had an agreement that Robin Williams would only be... Robin Williams as a a part of the genie would only be 20% of the advertisement and they didn't want him to be... And he didn't want to have use have his voice being used to sell 
toys, essentially. Um, unfortunately, um, whether there's there and there's some disagreements over it where either Rob where they either didn't stay up to what was Robin Williams' agreement on that, or Robin Williams got got kind of upset about the way they were using it here, or that they weren't you know that this hand almost. It, I keep getting hearing like it's a handshake agreement, but I'm not 100% certain on that. Yeah. Um, but so much as that, at the end of the day here, um, Robin Williams, uh, you know, was very upset with Disney over the way that they did the advertisement for it and then promised not to do any more Disney movies. Um, and the fact, actually, when he got an award for um, his role in Aladdin... Um, mm-hmm. As the genie, he got a, he got a special uh, Oscar award for it. Uh-huh. Um, he never once actually mentioned uh, Walt Disney or the Disney Company at all, um, and actually uh, made a joke at uh, who was the president of Disney Animation Eisner. at the time. Uh, no, no, uh, oh. Jeffrey Katzenberg. So oh, okay. Eisner would have been CEO of Disney, but uh, Disney Animation uh, would have been run by a gentleman named Jeffrey Katzenberg, who uh, now runs. Um, uh, what's the, it's the the people that do Shrek and other ones here as not well? Not Pixar. Not not Pixar. Um, it's like Blue Sky. Dream, Dream. DreamWorks. There we go. Yeah, yeah DreamWorks. Which, um, again, has some. I, again, I like. I enjoy Kung Fu Panda quite a bit. Have not seen Kung Fu Panda. Oh. I I like Kung Fu Panda mostly because like as much as Jack Black is annoying, um, and the Kung Fu in it is perfect. Sort of like you know 70s and 80s kung fu at the end of the day like i think it's just so entertaining to see anthropomorphized you know panda doing kung fu yep i think it it's hilarious and i enjoy watching it whenever it's on tv um so uh robin williams um again for about i think what was it like 94 95 onward wasn't actually working with disney and it wasn't until like i think the mid 2000s that they eventually made up uh, or, or in late 90s excuse me it was late 90s because eventually Robin Williams would voice the genie again in a direct to movie yeah direct to movie directed direct to TV yeah um, element actually again based off Aladdin so yeah um, he wasn't working with him for a good many years until that so so but and it's interesting because Bicentennial Man is not available on Disney Plus. Not yet. I imagine found curious. Yeah, I imagine it's some sort of contractual sort of agreement for that one. because um, it's done by Buena Vista Studios, which is the yeah, Disney, Disney Disney R. Yeah, it's a Disney it's a, yeah. Um and so and that that is curious in that particular element, but I'm sure it will eventually get onto Disney Plus. Um so Bicentennial Man is the story of Andrew, which is a android, I guess that's the way to describe him, that is a basically a house house butler, I guess is the yeah. best way to describe him. Um, living with a family in San Francisco with a very opulent house and somehow yes. a very, very cluttered basement, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. It, it seems it seems odd that you would have like all this old stuff in the basement in a very unkept basement, but a very nice everywhere else. Well, but I mean, there's sort of a, a steampunk element to that whole 
house or world? The house into and into what he originally looks like as well. Yeah, I and part of that I wonder if that's not meant to be an homage to what would have been like nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies style like robots maybe. In 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 thought, perhaps, but it is still, I think, even more steampunk than that. What I think it is actually trying to invoke at the end of the day is the um, uh, the uncanny valley, though. Yeah, it is. So he's enough of a robot that you know he's a robot, and you don't confuse him for being a human. But he's not he's metal. But he's also kind of got that kind of like, oh, I can see all the. I can see the robot, and I can almost see how he's human, and look how charming his characteristics are as a... But they never install his personality chip. They don't. They make the decision not to. No, well, they make the decision not to, but so much as that... Um, so they, so, there's a, so there's an option with these robots that lets them have uh, a bit more... Uh, personality to them at the end of the day, which right. lets them have... And, and we meet... And we meet a, 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 we meet one that does actually, yeah. and as a result of having like a personality, um, they tend to be a lot more flirty, a lot more floaty. Even I think maybe is the way that they get. Well, but, but I think I would imagine because Galatea is a woman, those might be the the, the female sort of but the I, choices that were made. But she's the kind of the only one we see that's a kind of a female model. I wonder yeah. if that's more um, a custom job. Yeah. So what's interesting about this um, about this movie here is that it takes place over what would be like almost 250 years, I want to say. Well, it is 200 say. years. That's why he's called the Bicentennial Man. He actually passes away on his 200th birthday. Ah. I thought Bicentennial being like post-2000s. Two centuries. Again, yeah, it's the 20th century. Well, yeah, but, but he, you know, he lives two centuries. Got it. Okay. So, so that's why. Um, but um, it's interesting because he works for a very wealthy family. He, um, the one daughter has him jump out a window, and he does it. Um, well, you don't meet much of her. Um, she's not a she's not a big player in this. Yeah, she's not there. a central central character. Um, but he forms a bond um, both with the the father mm-hmm. and with the youngest daughter. Yes, and the youngest daughter he calls Little Miss. Little Miss, yeah. Um. And so the initial parts of it here are, um, the initial parts of the movie here follow Robin Williams with Sam Neill, who is the father, and they are um, essentially trying to give Andrew, uh, their robot here, played by Robin Williams, a, not intentionally a personality, but he kind of recognizes that he has his own sort of... They treat they they actually treat him. It becomes an issue for Little Miss. Um, uh, they discover that he can make things on his own um, without being asked. He accidentally breaks uh, Little Miss's favorite favorite glass pony because she she gives it to him to look at, and then he's just too strong. And he carves her one out of wood, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. And and he does it simply by reading some books and looking up some things on a computer and and suddenly he knows how to do it so they figure that out and he ends up making clocks lots and lots of clocks because that's what actually um the father sam neil the father actually is known yeah. for he makes yeah. he makes clocks and 
Um, I like at one point here, um, he's, <laughs> this robot makes more money making clocks than, like, I guess the major salesman for these actual robots does in an entire year. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and 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 I and I, I wasn't really catching the full, fully understanding the, the, um, you know, he needs to be worked on or he needs a repair, but he's gonna gonna prevent. Um, the guy from the guy wants to buy the robot back. So, so very early on, um, when they're when the, when the children are still more or less um, children and not necessarily young adults or, or grown ups at all, um, that um, he falls out a window. He, he falls out a window, gets repaired, uh, and repairs himself. But then is showing this um, equipment for building stuff here. So again, yeah. he builds um, the wooden horse here at the end of the day. Um, and when asked about it here, like, well, how did you come up, you know, what'd you copy it off of? Is it like, copy? He's like, yeah, you must have copied it off of something else. It's like, and the robot basically says, no, I looked at the wood and this is what the wood kind of like led me to create it as here at the end of the day. It's like, so you didn't copy this at all? It's like, no. So it's kind of showing, so the robot is showing its own, um, art aesthetic here and yeah. they go to the people that make the robots and come to find out that you know it's unusual for them as he doesn't have his personality chip turned on to display this at all and the company's like well let's go ahead and we'll we'll go ahead and fix him for you but we'll you know but we'll give you like a brand new model and we'll get you like a brand new one here because this is clearly a malfunctioning and Sam Neill's very much of the opinion is like, well, no, he's unique, and I will not have you destroying something that's unique just because it's not typical for you. Um, but, but it turns out the guy very much wants to to buy it and poke around it and figure yeah. out how it happened. How it the, happened, yeah. You know, so they could either make new ones or they can correct it so it doesn't happen to other people because they might. And to find that my, my sense was that he thought he could profit from it yeah um and this is what leads them you know andrew to becoming um more human so sam neil gives him the point of giving him lessons and different sort of stuff like they go through the birds and the bees yeah um, that's cute teaches him how to make clocks um this is where andrew eventually gets his uh, money here at the end. Of, it gets more money here at the end of the day. Because little Miss says, hey, we're gonna keep, if, if you're selling these, then, then he should be paid for them. Mm-hmm. In the, in the, which so comes up with the question of what would robots do with money? Yeah. You know. But we find out. Oh, yeah. And so um, there's this whole bit with the lawyer. And so when they go back the second time, which is where you learn that he makes considerably more money, money than, yeah. the, than the salesman does, um, that they're concerned about the they're concerned about Andrew getting um, damaged. So he had accidentally cut off his thumb in the process of making a clock. Yeah. Um, but they're worried about him them potentially um, either stealing his positronic, positronic brain and replacing it with something else, or tampering with it in any sort of fundamental way. Um, and so there's the entire logic, you know, the entire idea here is like, hey, if you mess with us here, we will sue you not only for his potential, you know, for the damages, well, but of his potential uh, damages as well. Yeah. 
the loss of income. Mm-hmm. But in but in this, um, Sam Sam Neil very much gives him a sense of being. He treats him. Treats him very much as if you would like a child learning how to do stuff. Yeah. And 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 also in the same time period, um, Little Miss grows up, and she's about to get married. And she she has a has a, a uh, conversation with Andrew in which she very much indicates that, that a part of her loves him. You know, would you what would you do if you were about to marry one person, but but you all the time you loved somebody else. Well, she says, but all the time, there. But there's another person that all the time you're with them. They make you laugh and they make you smile and they make you happy. And the inference being that that's Andrew. And, 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 uh, you know, but can you marry that person? Well, no, I can't marry that person. No. And so she, she, she goes on and she marries the person she marries. In the meantime, um, and, and I guess you have these flash forwards and, and it's, it's 20 years, it's 16 years, it's 18 years. It's whole, yeah. whole banks of time when, when you have no idea of, how long actual time has, has passed. passed. They show you that the time has passed by introducing you to characters that have grown up. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, so like the first major flash we have is like probably like, I don't know, I want to say like maybe like 15 years. So you see, Well, the Little Miss has the son. Well, no, so well, we go from being Little Miss to being like an adult, getting her getting married. She has a son. The son is rude. Lloyd. Lloyd. Played by Bradley Whitford, which again was always a fun fun bit to see. And, um, and, uh, eventually, um, Andrew realizes he wants his independence. He doesn't want to be somebody's property. No. Yeah. He wants to be. Can he, he wants to, but he offers to buy his independence. Mm-hmm. And Sam Neill, who again, in kind of an odd sort of way here is upset by this. Yeah. Very offended. That he would, well, very offended that he would want his own freedom. He feels betrayed. But like, but even Little Miss here makes a point of saying, it's like, but you gave him that idea at the end of the day. You you, you know, he was, he was bound to figure this out on his own eventually. And and worth mentioning, the wife never likes him. No, the the wife doesn't like him. The older daughter hates him. Yeah. You know. Finds him very, uh unnecessary and and really so the inference is that that uh you know he the next time he sees sam neill sam neill is on his deathbed mm-hmm. and it's been and hasn't seen him since no and which would have been a long period of time and, and gives and gives you the impression that it's been about a good because the next scene that we really do see there is we do see um little miss and her son lloyd and Lloyd is now uh, Bradley Whitford, and Bradley Whitford is considerably, you know, like in, in, he's a lawyer of some sort, and you, you presume that he's probably in his 30s at this point. And so that maybe a better span of maybe 20 some odd years has changed in between there again. I was one yeah. I want to say maybe. Yeah, it's been yeah. Um, so it's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. And and the issue is that he he wants to go seek others like him. Others like him, and I I couldn't. I couldn't reason why he needed anybody to allow him to do that since he already had his freedom. 
it's not so much that they, that they didn't want to let him do it. The question was rather that um, the information isn't publicly available on all the old r- robots here. And, oh, okay. and because he's a robot, they won't just give him the information at the end of the day. Cause they don't so he needs a, help getting the so information. Yeah, so he doesn't see him as a human, so they needed a lawyer to kind of act as an intermediary for him to be able to um, go and get that information at the end of the day here. And Lloyd figures out that he's going to be gone a whole long time. Which he's totally excited about. Yeah. Uh, and so he actually disappears... He writes letters. He he, you know, sends letters. As as he finds as he finds the robots, and the robots are all everyone he finds is is either out of service or, or dramatically reprogrammed. Yeah, I mean, the one is a re, is a baseball referee. Yeah, it's like an umpire essentially. Yeah. Uh, and other ones are basically like we're service robots, and like are stuck in like ice or or basically like dismantled and in a junkyard somewhere or yeah so you slowly see him hunt them down Mm -hmm. so so then um the one he does meet is galatea which is oddly enough in san francisco because she just got rebuilt she just got rebuilt and um it's a now everything else we've seen at this point has been um Robin Williams-esque at this point, I guess, is the best way to yeah. describe that. It's, we've all been the Robin Williams model here, which um, which we should mention which here. Which is still metal and hasn't really changed. No, it's like this copper, bronzy he does dress. sort of metal. He, he asks, he asks to Sam Neill much earlier on if he can wear clothes. Mm-hmm. And so he does dress. Which probably helped out the act, <laughs> probably helped out Robin Williams at a certain point. Where it was like He doesn't have to wear quite so many pieces anymore yeah you know uh so he dresses and he finds um uh, what's his name here uh he finds oliver oliver platt who is a gentleman by the name of rupert burns right and who uh basically says that he's been um that his father was the guy who created the uh robot series and that he's been testing with um new uh forms at the end of the day for uh prosthetics for the robots essentially basically putting on skin to the robots yeah um and robin williams is uh robin williams andrew robot here is very much like yes you know like i have money i can i I have money i'd be more than happy to i would i would like this and he's like oh wonderful if only i had a donor he's like yes i will don't i will donate you to to do this he's like uh cool let's do it and I think Robin Williams is like the or Rob, uh, the Andrew robot here is like the first real robot that actually get gets the skin at the end of the day. It's it's interesting that they don't mention any other either style of robot or like you just know. that just that one style. But in the meantime, he re-meets as well, Little Miss. He walks in. He walks in to see Little Miss. And the person he takes to be Little Miss is actually her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So much time has passed, and the and the and the, the girl's rude to her, and and when rude to him, and when he asks Little Ooh. Miss, um, when Little Miss is explaining your granddaughter, it's her granddaughter, and he says, "From from which which of your children?" And she says, "Lloyd," and he says, "Well, that explains the rudeness." <laughs> um, but um, but uh, it's not the same actress who originally played Little Miss. But it is a very... No, no, it is, actually. Oh, is it? Yes. 
Yeah, it's uh, Embeth Davids is the name that I got off of um, okay. IB, ID, IBDM. Um, plays Little Miss and uh, Portia. Okay. Which is so it's so it is the same person at the end of the day. Portia. So it, yeah, Portia. Yeah, it's spelled Portia, but it's pronounced Portia. Okay. So, right. so, um, so he meets Portia, and they develop a friendship. Well, initially, I mean, like Robin. Now, again, we have to mention here that at this point, Robin Williams looks like Robin Williams. Well, does he look like Robin Williams at the at the point where he he doesn't quite yet? He decides to look like that after he meets Portia. I thought no, no, he no. Oh, is it before? Okay, it's it's literally one of these things where like he returns back to Robin Williams uh, himself returns back to the family house and he starts complimenting, you know, what he thinks is Little Miss, which is Portia Portia here. Yeah. About you know, oh wow, you've you've you know you've played rather beautifully and you you look you look like you've gotten much younger here and. Never mind the fact that, like, she's like, who the hell are you? What's going on? Yeah. You know, sort of element here. And it's not until Little Miss actually gets there is that she's like, who are you? It's like, it's me, Andrew. Andrew? And the voice sounds eventually similar. I did find it interesting, and I don't know if this is Robin Williams necessarily, but it always kind of sounds like um, Robin Williams' voice always sounds a bit mechanical throughout the entire thing here i, I think, think that's intentional and 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 robin williams never really sounded mechanical so i think that's that's him playing the role well oh yeah no i think he did um it's, it's very hard to play a robot at the end of the day i think i you, think yeah because you have to kind of like lose what's a lot of your um natural uh inhibitions about how you would either react or how you would um do stuff at the end of the day so. especially early on before he develops the much of a personality. Mm-hmm. He develops a very um, agreeable personality. He does, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so by this point here again, it, the way it's described is this is just like a exoskeleton, like you know, like the inside is all still mechanics, the outside is flesh and skin. Yeah. It's like a Terminator, I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah, I guess. It's not not. If you want to think of it in robot terms, it's the yeah. Robin Williams is not a Terminator. Although if he was a Terminator, I would totally find, I would find that actually very clever at a certain point. I would as well. I think it'd be kind of. A, I think it'd be. God, now I want to see Will Ferrell as Will Ferrell as a Terminator. If for no other reason, just because I want to see, what is a very silly, goofy man being a very dangerous creature at the end of the day. Uh, so he develops this relationship with Portia at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, which is a very kind of... Um, and Portia restores art. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her, for so like he's restored, <coughs> or Andrew, excuse me, has restored classic um, older stuff, like he's fixed a record <clears throat> player and a couple other devices here. Um, and so um, he's at this point where well again they start this what is this initially budding romance and then eventually um, this full on you know romance here or at least so much as that like Andrew you know they they have this classic conversation at one point here where um, Andrew um where 
Portia says, you know, like, you have to do the human thing, which is sometimes not the right thing. thing. Yeah. They have and a conversation which, in which um, uh, she, she, she says, you know, you always do the right thing. But, but as humans, sometimes we do the wrong, wrong thing. thing. And that ends up being the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he ends up, I guess um, he kind of stalks her a little bit. Um, because he finds out that she's going to get married to a guy that he actually thinks is actually very good in for the me- her. In the meantime, mm-hmm. he's also developing all these internal organs. Yes, he's developing... Um, and, and lungs and hearts and, and all these things. The central nervous system. Um, all these things he's developing the technology for. Um, and they're being used, they're, they're mechanical, but they're being used in humans. Well, the intent that they would be, that they could be used in humans. humans yeah. So Rupert um, continues his partnership with um, with uh, Andrew here at the end of the day, and they very much have this agreement, you know, kind of like this agreement here that's like, the stuff that you've designed is very top of the line. I mean, like, this is stuff that could be used in humans, and yet, you know, you want me to, to put it on to you. He's like, well, yes, I want to be human. Ish. Yeah, um, and so they go through the process of grafting it to Andrew at the end of the day, who again becomes very, very human at the end of the day. So the fact that he's got Inclu- lungs and taste buds, and including yeah, he's got taste buds. He can actually eat and enjoy food. Never explained to me really fully what he does with it, but that's okay. Um, I'm assuming he dumps it out like a an extra like vacuum hole or something. Okay. Uh, that that would be my assumption. That that wasn't ever explained. But he also gives him sexual organs. Not yet. That that happens Not a little yet. bit later. A little bit later. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, it does give him eventually um, sexual organs to uh, do stuff with. They're not now. Again, they make a point of saying that like they don't actually do anything. You you can't have children. You can't have children, but you can um, experience sexual pleasure. Yes, because he does have a central nervous system. Yes. Uh, we but, should... So these things, these things are being, um, being marketed and, and uh... sold to other humans at this point because um, they're they're clearly really great prosthetics. Yeah. And Rupert, I think, makes a small uh, fortune off of it. As does as does Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what ends up happening here is that um, they don't get. So Portia decides not to marry this man that she would otherwise get married to. Because she realized she's, con- to. she's she's conflicted the same way her mother was, com- or her grandmother was conflicted. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, they don't get married. They're, rather, she doesn't get married to the person that she was intended to get married to, but she does um, end up living with Andrew. Well, and, and in in the scene, and actually in which in which that takes place, she's in the church preparing the church for her wedding. Mm-hmm. She's restoring the church, and um, Andrew does the wrong thing and kisses her, which she wasn't expecting at any particular. Which point she wasn't yet. expecting, and um, and so then she decides not to get married, but she also has this conflict because she can't. 
really marry Andrew because he's not human. Nope. So Andrew goes in front of a what is what is a I, I wanted to call it a tribunal, but it's it's a court. It's the World Congress. The World Congress. Okay. The world has gotten a lot better that we have a World Congress. Yeah. So um, to have them declare him to be human. Uh, well, not not yet so much. Uh, or yeah, so we, I think what kind of I I think what hap- before that what happens though is that they get older together. Well, no, this is before he. This is right after. Oh, the, the, yeah, no, this you're right. This is before. They, he, so. they go. They go. He goes in front of it several times. Um, but the first time is is when he would like to to be married because, um, one of the things that Portia points out is is you'll never be accepted because. You're a robot. You're a robot. And so he goes in front of the world count, world congress to be qualified as a human being because you know he's got you know long central nervous system. He's got all the hard marks of what would be a human at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and everything but name only is being uh, not human. And as a result of getting a no at the end of the day, here they. Just basically decide to live a normal life at the end of the day. Yeah. But Portia makes a point of telling Andrew here that she doesn't want to uh, have a lot of his uh, life-extending sort of implants and prosthetics at the end of the day. She wants to die eventually. And and she and she expresses as well that that she will grow old and he will not. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and so he goes. He he goes back to Rupert and says, "You know, can you make me age?" And the way they age him, I think, is that they put uh, blood in him. Yeah, which will slowly degrade his uh, robotics that he has inside of him. Well, and his hair turns gray the way hair would turn gray, and all those things. His skin gets uh, more wrinkly. Yep. Robin Williams does a great job of getting older. Well, you know, remember Mrs. Doubtfire. It's a great job of becoming a woman, too. So I love Mrs. Doubtfire. It's one of the... It's such an interesting movie at the end of the day is Mrs. Doubtfire, but that's a whole different conversation. A whole different conversation. He made a lot of interesting movies. Um, so in the end, they do end up aging together. You don't see a whole lot of their life together. Would have been interesting to see, I think. But... Um, but in the interest of keeping the movie moving along oh, quickly. quickly, yeah, you don't see much of their life together until they are um, what would appear to be like their deathbeds. Yeah, so they're they're on these sort of pods, and the world court is meeting again, and and this is what his his third viewing in front of the. So he has another another thing in front of the world court, um, <clears throat> um, in which he even tells the one judge, "I believe you have one of my hearts." Or one of my lungs, or one of my somethings. Yeah, that you have literally one of the things that I, that you know, you have the same thing I do in you. It's like you literally have one of my hearts and, and or one of my lungs inside you, keeping you alive as well. How am I? So, so, so how am I different since you are not since completely human, but you're, you're considered human. And they, and they initially tell him that it's because you don't age, you're the same as you are now and you will always be the same Same, yeah so because of that because you will never age you know you will never 
um, know what it's like to be human in that respect. And this is what I think prompts um, Andrew at the end of the day to basically forego his um, robotic life to say, you know, like, well, I can't imagine living a life without her at the end of the day with her, without, with a world with her, without, without her. Without Portia, it. yeah. So, um, and at the very end of the movie here, they um, get to the point where they're visiting the World Council, the World Congress or Council, whatever it is, um, for the last time here. Remotely. Remotely, because it's the Now they're on, they're on deathbeds and. And because it's the future, you could do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and we come to find out that we have, that he has uh, gotten his wish at the end of the day, that they have, uh, they've agreed to recognize him as being a human at the end of the day. And, uh, their, and their nurse is a, a lovely young woman. Mm-hmm. That's following them along. That's, uh, yeah, and taking uh, care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, and, though... <clears throat> he kind of passes on or shuts down, I guess. I don't know how we, how you would describe it. Yeah. Um, in one fashion or another, he dies. Mm-hmm. Well, right, right. As this, this proclamation is being made that he is human, he dies. And Portia makes the decision to be unplugged. Mm-hmm. And when she turns to the nurse, uh, the nurse hesitates and, and Portia says, that's an order. Galatea. And then you come to find out that Galatea has gotten the same uh, human-esque sort of features as uh, Andrew did here previously. Yeah. And the movie ends with basically the two of them, uh, or with Portia uh, just drifting off. Yeah. Because she doesn't, she also doesn't want to live... Uh, A world without Andrew. Yeah. So it's a very sweet movie at the end of the day. It is. It asks a lot of questions, though. Um, you know, one of the things, because one of the other movies I like about robots is AI, mm-hmm. uh, which asks a lot of the same questions. You yeah. know, when is when is a uh, uh, when is a robot or when is if, it? if it if it looks like a person and it acts like a person, is it not a person? True. You know, do. Are these feelings real or are they artificial on any sort of level as well? And that's a big concern with AI because in AI, um, the kid is basically designed to to love to love you. It's literally kind of in the in, in the, the programming in the programming here, and as a result of it loving you, like it really does look like it loves you, versus like does it actually? love you or not is the is a real kind of you know gut buster of a question well and 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 can you bond with something that um that does that you would perceive as not having necessarily genuine feelings can you bond with i don't bond with my vacuum cleaner um you don't talk to your vacuum cleaner i do talk to my vacuum cleaner but i don't bond with it You've never, you've never had that kind of conversation. You've never had that kind of relationship with your vacuum cleaner, right? I have a, pr- I have a pretty, pretty, pretty easy time replacing it. <sighs> Don't let it know that, though. I know. Um, so, so there are a number of questions being asked here, and and the first one is why do we, why do we insist upon uh, humanizing? I can't even call it inanimate because it is animate. Um, 
dehumanizing our machines. Yeah. I think because we have to... I think it's the same reason why we name our cars. I name my bike. Yeah. You have the, you know, if you if you live with something frequently enough and you, and you, you know, it's around you all the time anyways, like, you kind of want to feel like you have some relationship to it. And I think in a lot of cases, that relationship has to start with, you know, a name at the end of the day. Um, that, you know, that you have to somehow name it for it to actually be something of any sort of existence here. And I actually had a conversation about this, not in re- not in the most real sense. However, um, one of my online friends um, ran up to me in game and sort of, you know, in, in, cause I play on a role playing server. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's like, your staff, what is your staff? Your staff has a name, right? And I was like, my staff actually doesn't have a name. It's very unique because I don't see anybody else in the game actually using the same staff at all. And, I'm kind of well known for my stuff, but it didn't actually have a name. Should it? I would imagine it probably should have, and I I actually had to think about it for a while, and eventually I didn't name it. It's uh, I believe it's Arthlaw. Um, you believe it? So so you kind of named it. I I named it. Yes, I have the name on my in in my word document that keeps track of all Obviously my. Obviously, that mean a lot to you, though. It doesn't mean a whole lot to me, but again, but again, I've never RP'd that it was a important thing to me at all either. Okay. So in, in my character sense, for my, for my character alone, the staff has sentimental value, but it's also just a staff. And if it just breaks, staff. you know, you move on to, to to a new one. And she's and they're known for carrying around, you know, various different staffs for for every other occasion. It's like an accessory for them, less a um, magical tool. Okay, so I'm going to give it to you from a different angle. So uh, I play Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. It's a game. It's a game. I know. It's a game. And um, and I get hurt when my animals want to leave, and I and and I have a hard time letting them go. I have actually now let let two go, and 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 new ones have come, and I haven't liked the new ones as well. I let Sherb go. I really regret it. So he was he was such a sweetie, and the cat that replaced him is really kind of Rodney-esque. Who is your cat? Oh, I'd have to look up his name. That's how much it... Um, he behaves a lot like Rodney the hamster did. He's he's gray and white. Oh. And he wears a business suit. Oh. Oh, you got oh. the... You got a, you got, a, you got a, a fan favorite. Really? I think... I'll have to, I'll have to pull him up here. Um, and see, there's a... There is a... Very, very desirable cat in Animal Crossing, and he wears I, glasses. Yeah, yeah. I think he actually got the. He, I think he got that one. Actually. I'd recognize his name. I've had him for for a, uh, about a month. Like it starts with like a C or something. I want to say. No, I don't think it starts with. C. Anyway, so so, um, so I mean, I actually I I give them things all the time, and I I like it when they're nice to me, and and um. And I I don't like my kangaroo. I've got Sylvia. I don't like her at all. Um, but, um, I've, I've actually, I, I, I like don't throw things away. I, or sell them. I, because I want to have gifts for my animals. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Is that him? Yeah, that's him. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got Rodney. Oh, that is Rodney. Or Ray, Raymond, excuse me. Raymond, Raymond. that's right. Raymond, yeah. He behaves a lot like Rodney the hamster. He's a smug character. So that's probably why. Oh, okay. Um, 
No, that's a very desirable fan. Uh, that fans really love that cat for no particularly good reason. Well, when we get a chance to go back to Animal Crossing as a as a topic, I also found a store in which I bought some things. Ooh. And they and they deliver within fifteen minutes to your island. Really? Yes, you just you you give them a dodo code and and they come and they deliver to you. Sweet. And they like, yeah. So I have blue roses, and when I get more blue roses, I'll send you some. Nice. I'll have to come over and, and visit you to deliver, but. So, so you have this innate re- relationship with your animals. Which is so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. But you have a relationship. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I, I have no idea whatsoever because, because it's so stupid. Um, they are not real. No, but you, but again, so here's another question. How much time do you spend with your animals? I'm on probably 40 minutes a day. Yeah. So you spend, you spend some amount of time with them here at the end of the day, you know, whether that's, you know, a, you know, a very, very, you know, one twenty-fifth of a day with them here. If you've been like two, three, 4% of your day, I mean, at a certain point here, and I think this is a lot of the same way with people who, you know, name their cars or name things that they work well on a lot of the time is that you have, you know, an inherent relationship with your items here. I mean, like, I know when I boot up my computer, I know exactly what it's going to do 99.9% of the time. And then when it does something weird, like it flickers, I look at it kind of in an odd way. It's like, you're not supposed to do that. You know better than that. What did I do to you to make you do but, this? But okay, so so the computer's a good, a good analogy because I don't name mine. I have several. I don't name them. My don't have I, I once had a name for my computer, but the name was ironic. What? It was um, it, so in the Japanese animation um, or the Japanese anime Evangelion, which again I'm a mm-hmm. huge fan. I was a, I'm a big fan of um, one of the. Uh, there's a series of computers called the Magi, which um, have slightly different personalities to them as well, but they run the. Um, they run the major um, organization called Nerve at the end of the day. And so um, one of them is based off of a, what was what was the way it was described? One of them was named, they, they all have different personalities, which kind of dictates how they approach situations. Um, one of them approaches it as if they were a parent. One of them approaches it as if they were the child. And another one approaches it as if they were just, if they didn't care about anybody else, like they were just a, a single person, so it's kind of it kind of so they think about it from so the computers are designed to think about it from those uh, situations here um, in order to come to different uh, rationalizations on what the uh, character should be doing. Okay. So. Okay, well that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I spend a lot of time with my computer. I don't I don't name my computer. Um, but you have an inherent bond with it, though. I mean, like, you know, when it does something weird, don't you find it to be kind of like... Oh, I get pissed off at it. Yeah. Um, but it's just a machine. It's it's just a machine. You can't, so, it's, so, it's so, not doing it inherently against you. Okay, well, I mean, okay, so let's move on to the second movie. Okay, so we've so the second movie that we had was Big Hero 6. Yeah. Which is another example. With, this one I liked because it's very much more of a very realistic version of what robot AI would be at the end of the day. And and what it ha- it, it, it does have in common is it's based in San Francisco. 
Yeah, so it's a mixture of like Tokyo and San, San Francisco. Francisco. I, I love the Bay Bridge. I'm just going to make a point here of saying that real quickly. The Bay Bridge where it looks like Torrey Gates. Yeah. I thought that was very that clever. That was very cool. Yeah, so so for for us being being beer, uh, San Francisco Bay Areaites, it was kind of fun to have two movies with San Francisco as their their base. Cause there's not a lot of movies actually that have San Francisco as the well, base. Well, the the one King Kong movie. Yes, that they ended up they ended up finally in San Francisco. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. But again, I think a lot of Robin Williams stuff is is based in San Francisco because he lives in San Francisco as well. Right, and he wanted to be near his children, and mm-hmm. and having a, having a film filmed nearby uh, makes it makes that a lot, a lot yeah. makes that a lot more feasible. So so I found I so the premise of the movie is really that you have this this uh, pair of brothers who live with their aunt. Um, uh, the aunt is, is kind of like a modern Aunt May. I really like, do think like she's the, Aunt May. Yeah. She, so 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 you drew, drew the same conclusion okay mm-hmm. um, she, she's the young Aunt May not the old Aunt May no no very very young it's um, again if she was played by what's her face Marissa Torme yeah Mar- Marissa Torme here at the end of the day like I would not it would not surprise me yeah because she could be a dead ringer for her at the end of the yeah. day as well personality wise and the uh, whole nine, the whole mm-hmm. nine yards mm-hmm. and she works she works in a in a cafe almost a donut shop I want to say yeah, something along those lines. Lines, yeah, um, and uh, and she's raising the the, the two boys, and the uh, the older brother goes to a version of Caltech, basically. I would say so. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, no Sheldon or any of those other whiners. Yeah, yeah, no Leonard. Um, and the the uh, younger brother is is designing uh, robots, and when you first meet him. He's competing in uh, one of the robot battles. Yeah, he's in an underground like robot fighting, fighting. league. It's because it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone likes illegal things. Everyone likes illegal things. Um, and uh, the brother, brother, you know, he went and he wins. Oh yeah, but he's also um, the way he did it. That was kind of a little uh, sneaky, where he lured him in by showing him that the this robot wasn't all that powerful into basically getting the other guy to put more money up at the end of the day right well his 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 robot looks very homemade and innocuous just kind of how you want a battle robot to look i think at the end of the day like not dangerous so you can lure your enemy into a false sense of security yeah um and he wins the battle so um the the brother realizes that this is eventually going to be really dangerous the older brother Mm -hmm. so basically um, basically takes him to his lab. His lab, which we're, we're saying is kind of a Caltech guess. Yeah. Um, and shows him around and shows what everyone else is working on. And it's like, and basically the kid, you know, hero here basically decides, I have to go here. I have to go here. I, I, I have to, I have to, I have to be here. This is, this is an amazing place. I, I want to know everything about it. I, I have to go here. And he's, he's already, he's 14 and he's already designed these mini bots that combine together to become well that's how you apparently get into the school you got to kind of like show you got to do a show off here that kind of shows um why it would be beneficial to have you studying and working here Here. yeah and he creates these little miniature little miniature robots that only have like maybe like 
two points of articulation. They just kind of like. And they're, they they look they're, as though they're maybe three inches long. Yeah, very tiny. Yeah. Um, and they he's built about like, I don't know, like a million plus of them here. And they combine to make um, new, you know, they, they combine to make uh, building blocks, essentially. Yeah. And you can make, and he shows off that you can use them to uh, build stuff. You can use them to, um, for transportation. You can use them for all sorts of different stuff here at the end of the day. Because you just, you can program and then make, they can combine into anything. And the way he programs them here is through a, a head ring that kind of reads his thoughts on what he wants them to do, yeah, which is probably the actually the more, um, the more realistic, uh, not realistic, but that. But if it were me at the end of the day, like a ring that lets me control my thoughts and implant it into another machine, like that's the real technology right there. Not the you know what he's using it for is in a very kind of childish sort of way. Like cause you can build. He's fourteen. Yes, but you can build other robots all day long. Yeah. If you found a way to map the human brain to get it to you know, read your thoughts and do what you want it to do. Oh, but I think, but I think that day is coming. I think so too. I I think it's, I think it's coming along very soon. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder how, I I, I, I wonder how, I'm, I don't know about eminent. I think probably in the next 20 years, somebody will have figured it out. Cause what, cause as we have it right now, we are, we do have some people where they are testing with, um, prosthetics at the end of the day right. of mapping your brain to in order to have your brain um move a prosthetic limb mm-hmm. yeah and i think there will be i think there will be a time in which that um does happen and i think when that does happen i think there will be a boom another like 10 20 years after that for you know at the end of the day here like actuators and actual like mechanical elements here are improving all the time so it wouldn't surprise me if in another like 20 years or another like maybe even maybe even just 10 years we don't have some sort of breakthrough in robotics of some nature with the the big thing that holds back robots from my point of view right now is mostly just their um their movement their movement right now is very fluid but it's also um somewhat limiting because you need a large base platform to use it at um, they're not tactilely quick at the end of the day. Um, and so I think there's going to be a point in which these technology that Boston Dynamics really honestly is going to be the pioneer of at this day um, is going to get to the point where we can make, you know, these arms and hands that move at the speed of what would be your thoughts. So, And I so, think that's going to, I think that's the barrier to get there. But I think the, 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 uh, the thing I haven't mentioned is is what the brother is working on. The brother has created a um, well, it looks like the state of marshmallow man, really. Um, so this would be Tadashi. Tadashi is working. Tadashi on, is working on the state of marshmallow for all extensive purposes. Yeah, who is a health assessment robot? So he's working on he's Baymax. There, he, Baymax, and and he's he, and Baymax is going to be able to assess people's health and help them get well or or get them in the direction of getting well. But he's very quickly able to assess people's feelings and emotions and... Scans their bodies, can tell yeah. what's wrong with you almost immediately. Um, the, in, 
the intention of this is really to be more or less a helper to get people <clears throat> better at the end of the day. I don't think it's going to be um, what replaces uh, doctors necessarily, but it could be something that replaces nurses in like um, you know in assisted a ro- living a robot situation. PA. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, so he's so he's he's got that and it's working and. Um, and working well, but he is big, and he does look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Hero, he basically gets through the science project at the end of the day. Gets into the college. He gets into the college, but as a result of that, um, of there, though, there's an accident that, um, unfortunately, the college's main professor and Tadashi... Um, Dying, unfortunately. So the professor's going to get caught in this fire, mm-hmm. and Tadashi uh, runs in, runs back in, and to save him, and mm-hmm. dies very selflessly. To save, you know, to, to save, save his, his professor. Mm-hmm. Which I think is uh, so. This professor here is Robert Callahan, mm-hmm. who is also a very well-known, famous um, invent inventor and roboticist. At the end of the day, uh huh key point i actually wanted to go to school for robotics you did i did you started out in industrial engineering started out in industrial engineering wanted to go to chico which offered uh the whole actual robotics course oh why didn't you go there because you said it was a party school it was a party school i'm sorry it was it was in in playboy magazine's party school but i don't remember you telling me they had a robotics program they had a robotics program oh i would have thought you gone i know oh well too late now true Although I think I might have actually wound up in the same place I would, I might have been now, actually, oddly yeah. enough. Um, maybe not the same job role, but a, kind of the yeah. same place, most likely. Yeah. Um, so um, I wanted to build big, giant robots. That was my thing. I wanted to build big, giant robots when I was a kid, when I was in college. Yeah. This yeah. Is for the same reason that I wanted to be a doctor as well at one point, because I wanted the lab coat. Oh, okay. And I figured out that you could just buy the lab coat online. I was just like, oh, I actually don't like blood. And I actually turned my head away for doing, like, all those medical procedures sort of stuff. You know, like, I can't, I don't, I'm not interested in that, really. So, like, yeah. this actually, you know, so the fact that you can buy the lab coat online, perfect. So, so moving this story along, now you've got the, uh, the younger brother who is... Depressed. Depressed and... Grieving. Grieving and and doesn't and in not going to school. No, nope, not going to school. But all of his friends that he made there are very much um, Tadashi's friends. Mm-hmm, Tadashi's friends, which now have kind of um, been bequeathed onto bequeathed onto him. Yeah, um, they've all, kind of adopted him. Yeah, they're all very worried about him. That how he's not uh, getting out very often, and he's basically cooped up at home. They really would love him to come to school and to come and learn and, you know, move on, even take even take over Tadashi's old lab. Now, uh, he does still have one of his mini... Mini-bots. Well, but only one. The rest of them died in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, disappeared in the building. Were destroyed in the building. He's also got Baymax as well. And he's got Baymax. And Baymax is the person who notices that the, the one remaining little robot is seeking... The others. The others. Which would suggest that the others still exist. Mm-hmm. So take it from there. So we do this wonderful little chase scene where we find where we eventually get to 
a factory and warehouse, which, oddly enough, has the little mini-bots in them. And they are running around um, doing stuff, and we find a guy with a very, very Japanese-y sort of mask. It is a very Japanese-y sort of mask. I think we do have to kind of quickly mention that the entire aesthetic of this of this world um, in this movie is very much based off of what would be... What would happen if, like, San Francisco and Tokyo got mixed together with Silicon Valley in this very kind of high-tech realm, I guess is the best way to describe it. Well, it is it. San Francisco-Tokyo. Yes. But, it's, yeah. but, it, but again, there's a lot of... Um, overtly Japanese and Asian aesthetics throughout the entire yeah, there movie, are. which I thought, which he, he's in this Asian mask, but he's in in basically a black trench coat. Um, yeah, it's like a I guess the best way to describe it is kind of like a kabuki mask. Yeah, a kabuki mask, but he's not. But the the clothes don't go with it. No, to me no. that seemed disparate. I think, and and again, I think that was partly intentional for it to be that. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, and so now he's trying to figure out whose warehouse it is, and he thinks it's. The the uh, so because at, when he displays his stuff, there's a rich guy that kind of like really wants it. Even goes to the point of trying to uh, take one of them. Yeah, and he really does think that that's the he that's tries to the buy the technology off of it, off of him, and he declines. Yeah, and so he thinks it's this rich guy um, masquerading around as this villain at the end of the day I guess is for a yeah. better, better way of describing it. Except I couldn't figure out why the rich guy would ever want a mask except that, that Just people hide- died in the fire. Yeah. You know. Um, to hide yourself at the end yeah. of the day I guess would be the better way to describe it. I mean, and, the, and, and, and I, be- I believe that, that a lot of this is taking place on Treasure Island. Potentially. Because they show it as an island. Hmm. I have to I would have to look at that again. Yeah, I admittedly was building Legos while I was watching it. Oh, 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 no, I was not. So, so, um, so I, I believe it was uh, Treasure Island that they were on. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, or at least that the launch takes place on. I think the launch does take place on Treasure Island. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so so he ends up because he realizes that that they're going to have to be. He, he meets back up with Tadashi's friends, and he ends up building them and Betamax. Well, not, 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 not just yet. So what ends up happening kind of in between there is that um, he, encounters this, this guy, he encounters this guy that's basically got his microbots. Uh-huh. And um, in order to kind of combat, combat the, this guy at the end of the day, he builds uh, Baymax a battle suit, I guess, essentially. Yeah. And programs them with kung fu and other superhero uh, like qualities. And to he it. can fly. Well, not yet. Not not, not yet? this early version yet. Okay. Um, and so um, he's trying to f- go. He's trying to go back to the factory in which he found those robots at. But then Tadashi's friends arrive and find him there, and like Tadashi you know, and Hiro, what are you doing here? Yeah. You shouldn't be here. You should, you know, like why why are you doing this? And it's um, and it gets to the point where the guy basically finds out that they're there and he wants to get rid of them. And so they have this nice funnel chasing um, through the through what is, I guess, San Francisco, I guess, is the best way to describe Chinatown, it. Chinatown, amongst others. Yep, up and down hills, which is very, very, San very, very San Francisco-esque. I mean, like if you're going to have a car chase in San Francisco, 
You have to do it. Up and down the hills. Up and down the hills, because that's all there is in San Francisco, apparently. Yeah. You know, never mind the fact that until you get into San Francisco, like, proper everything outside of San Francisco is very flat. flat. Almost, almost, uh, almost embarrassing flat. And flat is probably the best way to describe right. it, maybe. Um, and so it's, this is where you realize, so one of the, one of the individuals here is named Fred. Yes. Fred is, Fred is named everybody else. So Fred is named, uh, Wasabi, which is played by Damon Williams, this is this um, kind of bigger black guy, a bigger buffer black guy, who once built Wasabi on himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, Gogo, which is uh, Jamie Chung, um, who again I think is probably like one of my favorite characters there, just because of her catchphrase is like um, a "woman up" instead of "man up." Yeah, which I thought was very clever. Yeah, um, and then you've got uh, Genesis Rodriguez or um, who plays Honey Lemon, which is basically like, I don't want to say she's this very stereotypical blonde girl, but she's a nerdy blonde girl. Yeah, because she's not at all airhead. No, 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 no. Very much not an airhead. Um, although the stuff she makes gives you that impression occasionally. Um, and Fred is named everybody here, but Fred's the school mascot, which is very kind of stoner. It actually doesn't actually... Go, go to, to the, the school. school. No, he's just the school mascot. mascot. So he just dresses up in the what is like a lizard Godzilla esque costume. costume. Yeah. Uh, and they're basically just like, well, why don't we go to my place? And they they're right in front of a mansion. He's like, oh, we're right here. And, it's and, like, and they're they're all thinking he's kind of a loser guy, and and yet he's he's the the he's like you know he's actually very, very well wealthy. off. Yeah. Uh, his family's family's not home at the time. No. Although, again, when you pass by the photo, did you notice the photo? Oh no, I didn't. So if you so there's actually an end credits to this as well. Oh okay. In the photo of his of his parents, it's Stan Lee as his father. Oh, that's perfect. So one of the things we didn't talk about here going into Big Hero Six is that Big Hero Six actually was made by Marvel. So the comic book itself is based off of uh, of a previous Marvel franchise that um, wasn't necessarily included in like the Marvel pantheon, rather, yeah. or the Marvel universe itself. More or less, kind of a series of standalone stuff here, and um, and this and it's adopted. And this story is adopted from that, although it's very much heavily changed. Um, and it was Stanley who obviously very well known in Marvel, so this is more or less an Easter egg. Um, and at the very end of the film, um, in the end credits, um, Stan Lee, you know, makes an appearance to Fred and, you know, is like, you know, does the famous Excelsior catchphrase, which is what, um, you know, which was what he was well known for, for at the end yeah. of the day. Um, and so it's at this point that Hero decides that he's going to help uh, everyone else make their own stuff better and actually make um, help them make their own superhero gadgety sort of stuff here. So um, Gogo ends up using what she actually has this kind of cool anti gravity technology kind of thing going on uh-huh. um, with these wheels. And so she ends up getting like this anti gravity sort of like wheeled hybrid sort of costume that lets her use her anti grav wheels. Uh, Wasabi's basically got this phase laser sort of thing here going on, or plasma laser, and makes 
what is essentially Wolverine out of it. Um, Honey Lemon actually has the more interesting one. She makes what is basically like a handbag that, when you look on the side of it, actually has the periodic table on it. it yeah, it was pretty cool. And I want she, one of those. And well, what she's doing actually is she's actually doing the math in her head to create the different chemical reactions to make these little um, explosive balls that does stuff for her. So she's actually programming in the mecha- you know, the actual chemistry as she's doing it. They're not like pre-programmed elements. No, she's actually thinking the chemistry in her head when she's doing it. So it's, I thought that was actually very clever and very interesting at the end of the day that she was thinking on that level. That's pretty cool. Um, Fred gets his finally... Fin- Fred makes a point of saying, "He's like, well, can't you make me into a giant lizard?" He's like, "No, can't you shrink me down?" He's like, "No, that's 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 not how that that's not how science works." Um, but he gets his own fire breathing, um, jumpy, extra strength sort of lizard costume suit that's very similar to what he was wearing beforehand as a um, mascot. Uh, and this is where Baymax gets his like red overtone with the wings, where he learns to fly. Yeah. And Hero, I guess, gets his own sort of suit where he kind of can hold on to the back of uh, Baymax, but it's really more like Big Hero 5, not Big Hero 6. You know, unless you can't, because I don't really think Hero is doing a whole lot outside of just being like the brains of the operation. So. Interesting. Yeah, what I thought was neat about that whole scene is they all still have their own physiques. They are not changed into sexier, sleeker versions. No. They are superheroes and very clearly have superhero suits. But they leave the body types the same. The same. Well everyone well, all the body types are not, you know, are very are relatively realistic at the end of the day. You know, the you But know, Fred's Fred's kinda shaggy. Fred, Fred is shaggy at the end of the day. He he really is. Yeah. Um, so I mean But again like And and they leave Fred kind of shaggy oh, it yeah. isn't like like it's, somehow they transform get, who they are mm-mm. they still are who yeah there's you can very clearly see their own personalities and their own physiques here at the end of the day i mean like um gogo you know has slightly thicker hips and thighs at the end of the day and that's very much an aesthetic that keeps up with her costume at the end of the day um uh, honey lemon has got kind of a skirt element to her thing but she's very still very thin and lanky at the end of the day here um wasabi is very much still got you know wasabi always had kind of that buffer upper upper chest sort of area that very yeah. much is a aesthetic that still stays the same hero is very much a, a kid pretty much in his still kind he, of scrawny yeah and yeah. all of it in and again i mean like there's been a shift in more recent years for superhero costumes to be um more reasonable by comparison. I mean, in in as a very good example of this as well, um, going back to World of Warcraft, um, because I because I can't there's no yeah. way you can stop me from talking about yeah. World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, in very early in the very early versions of the game, if you go back to what we would call vanilla back in two thousand five, um, if a guy wore a piece of armor, it looked like you know a chest a chest plate at the end of the day. Yeah. Some armor that women wore ended up becoming, you know, just literally a breastplate in the sense yeah. of like a bikini top. And yeah. 
another, you know, and to a point now where like those those armor pieces are kind of very coveted because they show off, um, you know, the female skin at the end of the day. It's very much yeah. meant for the male gaze at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but they're very popular transmog pieces in the game to make yourself look in certain ways with other costumes. As were later iterations of the game, especially as we got to, I think, the Frozen Throne and onward of that, a lot of the armor that comes out for men, you know, looks the exact same on women, plus or minus, you know, like, maybe a little skin here or there, but very much like they all look the exact same. So, yeah. like, they look, the way it looks on a man would look, would be the same way it looks on a woman. Maybe there's a little bit of a difference for, like, if there's, like, a center sort of line yeah. sort of thing going on, it's a little bit wider on women for, okay. to go over, like, yeah. you know, but it's the aesthetically It acknowledges the, the, woman, the female form. Yes. Yeah. Versus... Again, in earlier versions of the game, like it was very much kind of a like, oh look, it's a girl wearing a wearing plate mail bikinis. Yeah, well, but I mean, a lot of times superheroes become you know something where where it, you're you're Wonder Woman esque or you're you 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 know get, get these fantastic physiques, and that they don't do that here. They leave the forms the way the forms were, mm -hmm. and I like that. Oh, it, it, to me, it was an, a nod towards acceptance. Well, not only so much acceptance. I, I love the notion that basically all these superheroes are basically experts in their own nerdy fields, and essentially they're the smart people. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was... Nerd superheroes. Nerd superheroes, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a very kind of... I thought it was very empowering that, you know, you could be a smart person still and still be a hero. Yep. You know... And you didn't have to change who you were. No, and if anything, like they're rewarded for not changing who they are, because because yeah. again, and all these, all their powers are based off of what they've been studying for the most yeah. part. So they end up with their superhero suits. So they go to find the guy here, and they've basically kind of captured him at the end of the day. Like they've and they've all done their thing here to capture him, and they knock off the mask, and they find out that it's Robert Callahan, the guy in, for the college. But in the meantime, his mm -hmm. daughter. We learn later that his daughter is actually been, it was a part of an experiment with Robert Callahan and the other. I guess not Steve Jobs esque guy, but this other like rich guy, rich right. business year guy, um, had this project where they were trying to work out like teleportation and going into weird worlds. Yeah. And Callahan's daughter got lost in that weird world, um, and so she's been missing for the last. She's really presumed dead. She's she, kind yes. of, the presumption is that she's kind of been zapped. Yes. And so um, as a result, um, he's been waiting to find something to get revenge on, you know, this other rich guy with, and this just happened to be the way to do it. You know, found that these microbots would be, would be the way to do, do it, it for yeah. him. Um, and so from this point here... Uh, Hero's really upset that, you know, this guy that he looked up to is basically the guy that stole his brother from him at the end of the day for... Well, and this this guy that his brother looked looked up to mm -hmm. and, and, you know, worked in his lab and... Yeah, and... And was his, you know, that was his brother's professor. So, um, so Baymax has... It's not well described. It's initially introduced here that Baymax has a chip inside of him that gives him his nursing power and all the nursing yeah. skills. And that Hero puts in a second chip, which gives Baymax all these martial arts offensive material. 
Right. And but so, he's still Baymax. But he's still Baymax. Baymax is still a nurse at the end of the day. Um, and so Hero basically goes in and removes the chip that's all the nurse stuff. And Baymax kind of freaks out and yeah. goes like, you know, goes this Hulk is, on him. Yeah. So he's going out of his way to get Robert Callahan and pretty much ignoring everything else along the way. And it should be said, the other superheroes, or, or, or other, you know, four, are um, appalled. Yeah, they're or very... other they're, five. They're, yeah, they're very... Or other four here. Four, yeah. They're very upset with um, that hero would do this and try to... Because it so much wasn't his what his brother was about. Yeah, yeah. And his brother was very much about... Um, Improving people's lives. Mm-hmm. And trying to make everything better versus yeah. um, this revenge aspect, which was very much not in what he would have wanted, wanted at the end yeah. of the day. And so they have um, they have a very kind of touching moment here where, and this is kind of an interesting note here, like Baymax makes a point of saying, um, or Hero makes a point of saying that he wishes his brother was still here, and Baymax says, he is. Tadashi is here. You know, and I found that kind of interesting because, again, the way it comes off is like, you know, that Baymax is trying to be spiritual in that sense, but right. no, he means it very in a very literal sense. sense. Yeah. And he begins showing um, Hero all the test footage that Baymax recorded over the course of being activated and being worked on by Tadashi to get him to the point of actually um, being a the robot that he is today. To, to be functional, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Tadashi makes a point of saying, you know, like, you're going to help a lot of people here one day. You're going to do some really great and amazing things. And that resonates with Hiro at the end of the day, who gets the band back together and they do the thing. Takes, takes the evil chip out. Yeah, takes the well, p- takes the evil chip out, and or takes the takes the evil chip out, and basically, um, you know, makes it so that Baymax won't do that again. Dehulks him. Mm-hmm. And so now Robert Callahan has been discovered, and he's going after our rich, you know, our rich asshole guy again. Yeah. Um, the team gets back together and um, they realize that they have to stop him uh, but each one of them kind of gets kind of cornered in their in themselves you know where uh, they're kind of stuck in what they were doing before you know the, what they were doing was not working out for them and so it's like well what would somebody else do which gives everybody the ideas here like oh if I did it this way somebody you know that's what somebody else would do that's yeah and they basically slowly uh, I don't know what the if, so he's the other guy's trying to rebuild the experiment here essentially, and I don't know. So Robert Callahan is basically re, reinventing the experiment essentially because he wants to suck the rich guy into the portal where his daughter died at presumably, yeah. and um, so he's rebuilt the experiment there on Treasure Island, and is trying to suck up the rich billionaire guy. Yeah. So. The team, the big heroes, the big team six here or whatever, big hero six team, um, basically stop him by sucking up all the little mini bots into the dimensional hole where it's going through and destroying the the robots. Yeah, the mini bots. And eventually, it comes to find out that Robert Callahan doesn't have enough robots left to actually do anything here, and he gets. That's how he loses at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, um, 
they come to find out here that Robert Callahan's daughter might actually be alive inside there, actually, because they're getting um, telemetry data from the original shuttle. They thought it was gone and lost, but um, so Hero and Baymax go through the portal, yeah, and they find the shuttle and actually were able to, you know, bring her bring, bring her, her back. back. Um, in the process, though, of trying to bring her back, um, they get hit by something which um, basically knocks out part of Baymax here, and he can't fly. He can't fly the rest of the way, and a result of not flying here, he basically they're stranded. S- they're stranded, and Baymax basically is the notion here is like, I can use my rocket fisty thingy, and I will push you and the rest of the rocket out the portal hole. But here, as Baymax, it's like, no, I can't lose you. Is like. Because he's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to sacrifice himself, and it's the last bit of Tadashi that exists here. Right. Um, and so um, Hiro doesn't want to let him do it here, but Baymax basically convinces him. He's like, no, I will always be with you. And, you know, agrees. Hero agrees and basically says, like, I'm satisfied, which, are, is, the, which yeah. is the phrase are that you, Baymax, Are you satisfied with your, with with your, your, with with your, your health? health? And, and Hero says, says yes. yes. I'm satisfied. And so he launches, uses the rocket fist to kind of launch the shuttle. But he's and crying out. when he says it. Mm-hmm. Makes you cry to think about it. It does. It's a little. It's so very sad. saddening. Um, so he launches him out of the portal, and so everyone's safe at the end of the day, minus Baymax. And we see we see Robert Callahan getting arrested. Mm-hmm. And we see paramedics uh, checking up with the daughter, who is actually very much alive. It's almost yeah. as if she's been in uh, suspended animation, animation here. Yeah. And so the very final scene here is um, Hiro in Tadashi's lab. Essentially, I guess he's taking it over at this point, and come to find out that um, the fist um, had the um, Tadashi medical chip inside of it, which had all the information on how to build another Baymax. And it was it was how Baymax functioned as a as a health mm-hmm. machine. And he managed to jam it into the hand. He literally took it out of himself and managed to jam it into into the propulsion fist. The rocket hand. The rocket hand, um, and uh, and and sent it sent it with him. Mm-hmm. So when he said, "I will always be with you," he meant he, it literally. Yeah. Which again, Baymax does quite a bit throughout this movie. Here, he makes a lot of very literal statements that are confused as spiritual at the end of the day because we're thinking that you know because we're all thinking that no no he's gonna at any moment here he's gonna show that he's really human at the end of the day or he's really like alive and so so here's what i was gonna say what was interesting in contrasting the the two movies is is um robin williams wants to be human hero never or um betamax never wants to be human that's never. Well, Baymax doesn't even consider himself that, human. human. Yeah. No. He 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 is is always very much a robot who's obeying orders at the end of the day. Commands, yeah. And that and it is an interesting question. I I agree with as well. It was that where does that spark of individuality or um, consciousness come from at the end of the day? Is you know is that a learned aspect? Is this a but if you teach your robot to learn and to respond to learning, I mean, even our phones learn. 
my phone knows where I'm going, depending on what day of the week it is, and it will automatically, without any prompting, tell me how long it will take me to get there, and if there's a traffic accident in the way. My phone does. My phone knows which Starbucks I'm going to. My phone knows when I'm at a station here. Will ask me like, "How was your station here today?" And it lists it by the four-digit four acronym that we have for our stations. And I'm just like, when I was looking it up originally and trying to find the station by using its acronym, you couldn't find it at all. It now knows what that acronym is. Yeah. And I didn't tell it that at all either. I didn't, you know. And at the so, final, so so if if even our phones can learn, then certainly something as sophisticated as a robot could learn and it could learn proper responses i mean obviously that's what robin williams does in that movie mm -hmm. but if it were a real robot i think it could you know it could learn proper responses i have no doubt it could it, that robots um and ai are getting to the point here where they are learning proper responses and they are so the di so the difference between the two movies for me was that robin williams wants williams wants to be a human Betamax never, never conceives that for himself. And he isn't sad at dying. He's making the sacrifice that he knows needs to be made. He's very, he's very really, I mean, the only person who's emotional about it is Hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, these were two different movies about two different robots with Ronwama strictly being a robot at the end of the day and the other being a person in in minus name only well actually the world court the, the world congress does determine he's a person in the end at, at the very end yes at the very end so yeah so it's interesting we want to we we want to um humanize what's the word for that personify personify yeah uh robots I mean, it's why we make them to look like us like us um and and act like us and it's probably not the most efficient way for them to operate no no I, it, coming from coming from uh, facilities that have robots and i've seen them they are anything but humanoid if you go other. into a, a car manufacturing plant i mean well there's arms and the, but like you can you can clearly tell their arms like the robots in some of my facilities that i've that i've been to you know like they look like oversized roombas well okay so the ones in our parking garages are big eggs mm -hmm. they're they're almost kind of triangular but or conish but but they're rounded enough to look more like an egg yeah um and and they look anything but human but we still think of them almost in a way of humanish we do so so it'd be interesting to i think what what neither both of these movies asked important questions but i think the question that neither one of them asked was was what is arnie to to personify them to humanize them yeah I don't, I don't think that was a topic that um ever really got addressed in these movies at all yeah. as far as like you know why do we why do we need you know why does baymax need to be the last remains of tadashi at the end of the day versus you well, know that, that i actually do get because because he you know i think whenever you create something a, a painter paints a port paints a a painting it still is part of their soul. It's part of their expression of whatever they're seeing. And so if a, if a human creates a robot, it's going to be partly their soul and part, partly their... Lived experiences, maybe. Well, 
their vision of, of what they perceive it to be is certainly represented in it. And, and just in doing that, you are launching upon it some, some attributes. Well, absolutely. Again, I mean, I, I would imagine, sir, I mean, I, I go back to the Gundam at the end of the day. It's yeah. a very Japanese sort of creature at the end of the day, with a, which, which, which sounds like a very American Western style name to it at the end of the day. But it looks like a samurai. Yeah. And it's and, and I think that's and and I don't know what it is about that particular samurai motif at the end of the day that's you know very very sort of recognizable in not only Japanese um, media necessarily, but again like that 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 look of their robots is permeated almost every other robot that kind of comes out because every robot kind of has this face-like look to it here and like the ones we built which very definitely have eyes yeah very much have eyes arms um you know it's clear legs Mm -hmm. got two legs yeah and it's and again that's not how robots are theoretically designed at all to to interact with us at all but that's how we kind of want them to be at the end of the day we want we want our robots to be like well lost in space i mean that was definitely a we want Lost in Space. We yeah. want Bicentennial Man. We want Baymax as well. I mean, like, we want... These. What about R2-D2? So, here's the interesting... So, that's an interesting question here, is that R2-D2 is a weird object here, because I don't want a robot like R2-D2. Well, but 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 Luke very very clearly has a personal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Well, that droid's taking a pretty big hit. Oh, no. I'm keeping him. Yeah, and... I you think, want us to switch him out? No, no, no. And I think droids in the Star Wars universe... Um, have this weird personality that you you know that you would relate to it at the end of the day well there's relationship between r2d2 and c3po i mm-hmm. mean they, they they have would is that a friendship between them what is that some sort of companionship at least yeah at the which metal. which again is is a human characteristic and not one of of a piece of equipment no and now and again the only reason i wouldn't want a r2d r2d tell R2-D2 style robot is that it doesn't navigate stairs very well, you know, which is a very much a, a, a thing of our modern version versus, I think in the future, ramps are probably far more reasonable. Um, that's interesting. That's a, that's a, a ramp that steep would be a really steep, a, a ramp the same, same steepness of, as a, you need more space for a ramp. You, you would need more space for a ramp. I think you would potentially... Um, Why wouldn't you just step onto some sort of people mover that just moved you up? Potentially, yeah, or some sort of like little lift. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know. We have to remember that the R two the R two kind of series of of droids at the end of the day were designed with the intention that they were meant to be kind of injected or placed into a Starcraft as a secondary sort of like computer that you would take with you right um it would know your flight patterns it would know your you know your, your preferences mm-hmm. your yeah and so they were meant to be so the shape in which the r2 units are in were kind of a standardized sort of uh shape at the end of the day versus um the versus, hunter the hunter droid the, yeah that is very much human yeah Weird I mean, human, but human. and it's got and again that's another robot where it's got a 
It's got a head. It's got limbs and arms, and it's got legs. Um, it was clearly modeled after what would have been a humid. We're both. We're, I, I'm making you yawn. I'm sorry. It's okay. I apologize. Um, but it's particularly based off of what it would be a human aesthetic at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, Much like our need to make all aliens look human as well. Yeah. That's a very good point there, too, as well as that all of our, uh, you know, we have a certain, we have a certain style of alien, rather, so much. Yeah. Um, that we, that what we think aliens should look like. And when they don't, we often get very annoyed by it, I think. I actually really like the, the movie um, uh, about alien linguistics. Fairly recent movie. It's not interstellar. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Um. Because because the aliens don't look anything like. I think it's contact. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, and and uh, the aliens are are completely different looking. Very foreign. Yes, and and the, their language is completely different. They're like um, like squid squidish almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. So different robot movies here. We did. I did have the option, and I almost wanted to do Terminator Two. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, but I think the but I think the only reason I, I didn't pick that one because it doesn't really ask a lot of robot questions at all. Just it's more or less just an action movie with a robot. Or um, shoot him up. But so no, I thought these. I I thought these were very interesting for ex, for exactly what I what I was mentioning earlier. Is that, that one is a robot who wants to be human? People want to see him as human. The other is a robot who's a robot, and people, even though there are some personal connections with him, he never ceases to be a robot. Nope. And I think, and again, I wanted never I, has much personality. And this is a. I wish there. I wish the most recent um, Ghost in the Shell actually picked up on some of these tones as well because I think this it was a um, lost opportunity at the end of the day where I wish they had more um, the Ghost in the Tell the Ghost in the Shell TV show especially and even the original movies make a big point of talking about um, you know what is AI if not you know or are cyber brains are we actually alive anymore or are we just machines that dream you know, but we dream and are we humans at all? The main character very much makes a point of saying she doesn't actually even know if she really is um, human or not at the end of the day because she's been a fully prosthetic robot, uh, android for, or a prosthetic body here since before she could recall um, as a child. And so she doesn't really even know if she's um, human or not. And I would very much enjoy it I mean, this is one of those problems that ends up happening a lot when it comes to um shows from japan getting translated into the west here is that they lose out on what would be a lot of the interesting conversations i think that happen um we have one of my personal favorite series death note which um had an american version that came out but was more about the cat and mouse game and less of the conversation of well, which is better? Is it societal justice um, better or is vigilante justice better because it actually gets stuff done? Yeah. You know, vigilante justice clearly is working because 
the world is does get um you know less people end up dying at the end of the day and a lot less crime is happening as a result here so clearly vigilante justice works but when it's left to the whim of one singular fallible human being who doesn't admittingly like being toyed with at the end of the day here um you know is that a is that the way that it should um, end up working at the end of the day here, if well, at all. Because it's subjective. Mm-hmm. It becomes subjective. Absolutely. By its nature. Well, you know, I thought I thought this week set us up well for next week's topic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think we're, next week's topic, we're going to talk about the future, or rather the lack of the future that we were all promised. Well, the future, the future that we envisioned um, and the future that we now have. The future that we got. Yeah, because if you think about about two thousand one, a space odyssey, it was during during a, a time of space exploration that that really did foretell us being miles ahead of where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I I wanted my flying car. I I my flying car has been delayed by at least five years at minimum. I, a centennial man had a, had a, had a flying car. They had flying cars. Yes, I'm thinking Back to the Future. Oh yeah, that's a lot. They told me in 2015 we'd have flying cars, and you know, and that we could get hover conversions for our cars, and it was just like, I want that. Well, I found a cool graphic that that actually showed you movies and the time period in which they were projected to take place in, mm-hmm. and uh, it pointed out a lot of a lot of what I think um, we'll we'll touch on next week. So robots, kind of, because they're very much a part of the, the that future world that is foreseen. Um, and artificial intelligence. Uh, I think this this leads us very nicely right into that topic. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's also a, a great avenue for another topic as well um, that we can even broaden into this here because we have to remember that there is Tomorrowland in, in Disneyland and Tomorrowland was very much this intention of that, well, this is what the future is going to be like. Yeah. Um, it's not so much that anymore, but... Now it's sort of kitschy. Yeah, but now it's very much kind of like of the, this is what we thought the world was going to look like. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. thought people we thought people would be moved around in these different pod thingies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On a track. Although, please bring back the people movers. We want the people movers back. Yeah. I want I want my nice little you know. I want the Monsanto uh, microscope back. That was really cool. I never I ever got to see that. Yeah, I think it was gone by the time you were. By the time I could go, it talked you through through being miniaturized and you became part of a molecule mm-hmm. as you went through the microscope. It was pretty cool. Using a, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, but no, yeah, topics for another day. Uh-huh. For the meantime, though, all of our topics here, and again, the link to where to get our little robot friend as well was in last week's um, uh, information here as well on our website, which is all available on the nerdtutorialpodcast dot com. We also put all of our show notes and all of the information that we that I do my research on to prepare for the topics here, as well as links for various stuff here. Like like last time we had um, the Agatha theme song on there. Yeah. So, I love that theme song. It was so cool. It's so kitschy. It's so perfect. Yeah. Um, and so so all that is available on our website. You can also reach me on, um, you can also visit us on our, our Facebook group as well, where we continue the conversation at facebook.com forward slash nerd tutorial podcast. And then if you have any sort of ideas or comments or future topics, please feel free to drop me a line at nerd underscore tutorial.com. 
Um, and so on behalf of myself and my mom, we wish you guys, we hope you guys stay safe out there in these weird times. But we'll see you guys again next time. Bye. Bye.